With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Rock Jock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mintz. Tonight, we are recapping the last two weeks for the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, had some some personal stuff come up, so I wasn't able to podcast at all last week. Thank you guys for, uh, for all the well wishes that I got on Twitter. But um, we have four games to talk about. And to help me do that, uh, have returning to the podcast, as he usually does about this time every week, uh, Steve Fetch, our basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. Fetch, how you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So uh, I wish I could say the same thing for this Kansas team because let's be honest, they have not looked good at all in the last, you know, three weeks or so. <laughs> um, now, granted, some of those opponents were were uh, a little difficult to deal with, but they ran into a buzzsaw in Oklahoma uh, since the last time that we talked, uh, losing that game down in Norman 75 to 68. Didn't seem like either of us were too worried about that game, and yet it ended up being um, rather difficult for them. So let's just jump right into that game. What do you what do you think was the big takeaway from that game, or or why do you think it was such a big issue for them going into Norman and 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 you know trying to compete in that game? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, I guess a few things, right? I mean, one, uh, Oklahoma shot the ball really well, thirty seven percent from three, and, and including some guys who. Uh, you know, you maybe wouldn't expect to uh, to shoot the three ball very well, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, going forward. Um, you know, secondly, I think, you know, Kansas, uh, you know, huge problem on the offensive glasses has kind of developed where uh, if they miss a shot, uh, they're not getting a second chance. I mean, if, if you go look at their numbers, uh, okay, they shot 53% on twos, uh, 36% from three, uh, and turned it over 16% uh, of their possessions, which... Uh, at this time is, you know, well under the, the national average. So you take a look at those numbers uh, and you would expect them to put up a, a pretty good offensive total. Uh, and then you look and, and they scored under a point per possession, um, you know, which largely because, you know, they grabbed two offensive rebounds, which is 6% of their misses. 
Uh, you know, Oklahoma didn't do, you know, much better on the offensive glass, obviously, but, um, you know, everything else was, was virtually equal. Um, Oklahoma made, you know, one more three, actually two fewer twos. Uh, but they just got, you know, a couple more offensive rebounds, uh, went to the line uh, a lot more and, and did really well um, at the free throw line, obviously. But, uh, you know, Kansas hasn't really um, hasn't really been able to get those easy baskets. You know, I, I tweeted it out uh, earlier. Um, and apparently this, this podcast has turned into me uh, uh, voicing my, my takes on Twitter, but, you know, they're uh, <laughs> sub 150 in terms of getting to the, uh, getting to the rim. They're sub 200 nationally ranked in terms of scoring at the rim. Um, and, you know, Bill Self, more than anything, has, has built his offense on getting easy baskets at the rim. Uh, you know, there would be, you know, uh, that high-low offense that resulted in, in a lot of easy baskets or, you know, a lot of lob dunks, that sort of thing. Uh, that's just, you know, not here uh, this year. And that's really uh, driven the offense down. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a symptom of a larger problem, but just the, the lack of, of easy points on offense is really, I think, you know, making things difficult for them on that end of the floor. And then also on, on the def- defensive end of the floor, because they're just having to work that much harder to, uh, to score on offense. And that's, that's hurting them on defense as well. So it's kind of a, a perfect storm, but it kind of stems from that, in my opinion. Yeah, the thing you talked about, about, you know, Oklahoma having guys that made threes that don't normally make threes. One, that's kind of a recurring theme. It seems like every time we play Oklahoma, that happens. So I don't know that we shouldn't be expecting it at this point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kansas also has been absolutely atrocious from in terms of defending the three. And I don't know if it's that they're, you know, it doesn't seem from what I've seen that they're having problems like rotating over. It seems like there's a lot of guarded threes that the opponents are just making. Um, so you could say that it's a little bit of, you know, being unlucky, but, you know, they are eighth in the conference in terms of three point percentage allowed just in conference play. Um, you know, and, and kind of the flip side, kind of what you were talking about in scoring is we thought coming into the year that three point percentage was going to be what they had to live and die by. And right now they're dying by it because they're only making 33% in conference play, which is not going to cut it, especially when, you know, you guys that are supposed to be shooting threes, are either aren't shooting them at all um, or are missing them horribly. Like, I, I think that was kind of the big story of that, of that particular game against Oklahoma was that Christian Brown didn't make a single shot. Uh, you know, his only two points came from the free throw line. Um, you know, you also had, let me see, uh, Ochai Abaji was two for six from three. You expected him to, to really, you know, do fairly well. And you had guys like Inaruna and Ty and Grant Foster jacking up threes and not making them that were, I think, really kind of, messing with the flow of what the offense was trying to do but when when Marcus Garrett you know as offensively challenged as he's been when he is your leading scorer by far um you know you have a problem offensively uh you know he scored 21 points in that game was the leading scorer uh and and so like it was difficult for Kansas to get anything going offensively um so I mean it's just one of those things it seemed like they were ending out a bad stretch and and you know, the, the hope was going into that TCU game that that was going to be kind of a get-right game for them, and that never materialized. But before we move on to that TCU game, was there anything else from this Oklahoma game that you really wanted to point out? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think the, the three-point shooting thing, you know, we might as well get that out of the way because that's been a, a pretty heavy uh, or hefty topic on Twitter uh, lately. It seems like every time uh, a, a team burns the nets against Kansas, especially during that Tennessee game, I mean, people are saying – oh, it's the defense, it's the defense, it's the defense. And, you know, you can uh, quote studies and, and stuff like that till you're blue in the face and people won't listen. But, 
Uh, listen, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that opponents, you know, three-point percentage is uh, largely a factor of just the offense. Um, you know, and it stands to reason that, you know, defense can't really uh, stop a team from walking up and shooting a billion threes per game. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's something that obviously sucks to deal with. Um, and, yes, I mean, I, I will say that obviously, you know, a, a player is going to shoot a, a higher percentage when they're left wide open versus if, you know, you got someone running out on you or someone right in your face and stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, you're not really going to take those shots. So, um, And also, to be fair, it's not like, you know, with the exception of a, a small portion of the Tennessee game, it's not like Kansas have just left people wide open. There's been the occasional time where they're not rotating correctly and a guy gets an open shot or a guy just, you know, randomly takes a three where you're not expecting it. But for the most part, they've been closing out and contesting shots at least. And the other yeah, thing is knocking them down. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing to mention too there is, you know, if you're going to leave guys who aren't very good shooters open. I mean, you can't, right. you can only take away, you can only take away so much uh, and you have to prioritize certain things. And obviously, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to leave a bad shooter a little bit more open and, you know, play them to drive or play them to pass or whatever. I mean, you wouldn't expect a, a, an opposing defense. I mean, look at how they defend, you know, uh, Dewan Harris or look how they defended Marcus Garrett a couple of years ago. I mean, they, they just defended them to not shoot at all, and, and that kind of worked out for them. And there's guys you have to do that with, and, and sometimes they hit those shots and, and burn you, and, and it is what it is. But, you know, you look at the the defense, and I mentioned this as well. You know, they're doing a good job at the things they control, uh, can control uh, on defense. I mean, leading the Big Twelve in shot blocking, leading the Big Twelve at, at setting, <clears throat> excuse me, sending teams to the uh, free throw line, and and the big one, you know, leading uh, the Big Twelve in two point uh, percentage allowed. So, um, you know, if the if the three point shooting uh, normalizes a little bit, and the free throw shooting, they're two hundred eighty third uh, in terms of uh, what opponents shoot at the line against them, almost 74%, which is uh, obviously a, a pretty uh, efficient number. If those two numbers, you know, normalize a little bit, I mean, I, I think you're looking at a, a defense that's going to finish probably second in the Big 12 and, you know, be a, a top 10-ish uh, defense nationally, and that's going to be plenty good enough to, to make a run if the offense cooperates. Uh, and then offensively, you know, the, the Big 12 shooting numbers have been uh, a little bit better in terms of two-point percentage, but you look at their overall numbers and they're slightly under uh, the national average at twos and, and, you know, slightly over the national average at making threes. And, and they're, uh, you know, if you look at their points per shot, you know, even with the three-point percentage not being great, uh, they're scoring more points uh, per every three-pointer taken versus every two-pointer taken. So uh, in my mind, that means, you know, they should keep shooting threes. And, and they've done a, a good job in Big 12 play of shooting a lot of threes. And uh, I think that's kind of the, the move going forward and you just kind of hope you can make some more threes and, and hope that you make them in March. And that translates to, you know, a, a couple of wins and maybe a, a deep run, which I, I don't think even with as poorly as they played, I don't think that that's uh, off the table yet. Yeah. I mean, and kind of what you're talking about was, was shooting threes, I think leads us directly into the TCU game, because again, that was a game, you know, only winning 59 to 51. Um, but that was a game that I think was just plagued by shooting woes for Kansas. Like, they only shot 49% from two. They went 19 to 39 and they were four of 17 for a cool 23 and a half percent from three, only making, you know, four of those, two of them from Ochai Abaji, but he took nine three point shots. So like that, you know, they, they seem to be doing what you expect them to do where they are shooting a bunch of threes. 
But the guys that you're expecting to knock down threes, Christian Brown, you know, with one of two, Jalen Wilson with O of three, uh, you know, and then Ochai Abaji going O or sorry, going two of nine. So like they're they're struggling. The guys that you're expecting to make the three pointers and really open up the offense are struggling, which is allowing opposing teams to really kind of collapse down low, which is making it harder for David McCormick. Um, so like it's it's kind of one of those things where when the when the threes don't go in, it makes it really hard for anyone on the offense to get going um you know even even as limited as McCormick has been in some cases going you know going up against some of these these other big guys they just have really really struggled when the three-point shooting has not been going and they've they've been in a an extended slump in terms of three-point shooting um you know in big 12 play so far that hopefully they started to get kicked out of and you know obviously they'll have some other games that that theoretically should be a little bit easier for them to get those shots whenever they really want them. So, um, but anything else that you noticed from that TCU game, because yes, it was obviously a lot closer than it needed to be. It's not though, like TCU went absolutely ballistic from three, you know, they were eight to 21. I mean, they only scored 51 points. So it's not like their offense was burning it up either. This, this game screamed to me more of Kansas's offense still couldn't get going, but their defense really clamped down. Yeah, one one thing I really liked uh, about that TCU game, and they they kind of followed it up in the Tennessee game a little bit, and then definitely did uh, in the Kansas State game, is uh, you know the turnover forcing. Uh, that's I think you know one thing that will not only help their defense um, because obviously you know forcing more turnovers usually uh, anyway leads to fewer points, but uh, will help the offense as well. I mean, good way to get runouts, good way to get easy baskets in transition, that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, TCU committing turnovers on over 30% of their possessions. I mean, it's it's pretty much impossible to win when you do that. Um, Tennessee game, you know, they turned it over right around the national average. But for a Bill Self coach team, you know, Bill Self has, has never really been much of a, a, a turnover forcer. So that might as well be like the, uh, you know, the old Havoc VCU days. And then, you know, obviously in that K-State game, they turned it over over 20% of their possessions. So, if Kansas can keep turning teams over at, at over 20% of their possessions, not only I think is that going to help uh, the defense, I think it's going to help the offense as well. And obviously it didn't really in that TCU game where they scored, you know, a, a pretty low number of points per possession. Um, I think it was under, you know, 90 points per 100 possessions in that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that was just, you know, missing open shots. Um, yeah, I just pulled it up. They shot just under 50% from two, which – you know, for this team, uh, definitely livable. And, and I think your point about McCormick, um, I think that's a, a good point. And just to kind of, you know, go a, a different way with that, I think uh, him being in there really kind of hinders spacing. You know, I, I probably have mentioned this about a million times on Twitter, but uh, since being moved off the five, uh, you know, Jalen Wilson has gotten a lot worse. And I think playing him at the five more, not only will unlock him, but I think unlock the team in general, because so many times they're driving past you know, their guy and, and are actually able to, to, you know, beat their guy usually. Um, but then whoever's guarding David McCormick can just leave him and, and come up and, you know, really provide a lot of resistance at the rim. And McCormick's not the, the lob catcher and not the uh, easy target that Yudoka Azubuki was last year. So um, I think getting him out of the middle, um, which, you know, kind of sucks to say because he, he has gotten better individually. I just think his presence on the floor really hurts the team spacing-wise offensively and then, you know, defensively with what he does in, in pick-and-roll defense. So um, it's tough to, to do the five out all the time. I mean, I'm sure guys get tired. I'm sure Jalen Wilson gets sick of 
banging down low and, and they don't really have a backup and stuff like that. But I, I think that's kind of the key to, you know, unlocking their ceiling in March. Well, and, and the other thing that everyone forgets is that like when the five out was really, really good is when they had Bryce Thompson available. Like he is still out. The expectation last I heard is they're expecting probably in the next two, two, three weeks to get him back uh, to really get him back in the rotation. And that should open up a lot more options for Bill Self because you know, regardless of what you want to say about how well he was playing on offense, um, his defense was absolutely phenomenal, allowed him to do a lot more on the five out. And honestly, the way that he facilitated the offense, kind of what you were talking about with the spacing, made it a whole lot easier. Even a guy like Anaruna just doesn't really seem to have the spacing down quite as much. Um, you know, and so it's it's kind of one of those things you don't really notice it. Or I think it's hard for people to notice just how much of a difference it made when Bryce Thompson was out there. Um, because he wasn't, you know, lighting up the stat sheet or he, he wasn't filling up the stat sheet. He wasn't lighting up the scoreboard, any of that stuff. And so like, it was, it was, um, I, I guess a, a, a quiet contribution from him from what compared to what a lot of people expected, but he definitely gave them a lot more options. Uh, and I think, I think once he comes back, you'll see them play the five out a whole lot more and it'll be a whole lot more successful because McCormick won't have to be out there, you know, for 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, and so they can get the spacing that they need. And when he comes out there, he can be more impactful as kind of a change of pace. They can actually play contrasting styles, which makes it, I think, a little bit more difficult for people to actually defend what they're doing. Um, you know, and so like, kind of like what you were saying, McCormick, the spacing is all over the place when McCormick is playing. Um, like, just because he he does not do a good job on sealing guys off, he, he makes it difficult for people to kind of cut through the lane, to drive into the lane because he just kind of sits there down on the low block and it makes it difficult for Kansas who has a lot of motion in their offense to really do any of that because he's basically a brick standing down there, which is good when he can post up a guy and decides not to fade away when he turns around to try to shoot it. But he does that way too often that it's just, they can't get anything going downhill. They have a really hard time on the offensive end. Um, He's gotten a lot better defensively though. I think over the course of the season, McCormick I'm talking about, and so, like, ultimately, I think it's gotten passable as he's been able to play more. Um, but you see games like against Tennessee where Tennessee is just moving the ball all over the place, you know, and kind of shooting from outside. It neutralizes any kind of advantage that McCormick might have down low, uh, makes it really difficult for him to actually be effective on the, on the court. And I think the more that we see the five out, the less we – or the more we can actually neutralize that kind of stuff and make it more effective when they're actually out there. So I do think that Bryce Thompson is going to make a huge difference when he comes back. The question, obviously, is going to be how quickly and then how how well he's playing up to speed once he actually gets back. Yeah, one one other thing I think, too, you mentioned McCormick. I think one other thing that might help uh, in terms of uh, the offense, I mentioned easy baskets. Well, you know, David McCormick's leading the Big 12 right now in free throw shooting. Uh, if he would just turn and go up strong and, and get fouled and go to the line, I mean, they could probably get – you know, eight to 10 extra, you know, easy points per game just from him uh, at the free throw line. Uh, he's certainly strong enough to do it. He just, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, you know, might be something in, ingrained in him at this point, but um, if he would just, you know, give a nice pump fake or just, you know, I mean, frankly, barrel into someone uh, and get a foul call. I mean, I think that would help a lot. And, and you know, that's a, another key. And, and frankly, um, one of the only, ways I can see where it would make a ton of sense to, to keep him on the floor a lot is if he would, if he would do that, because not only, um, and you know, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of literature, I guess, for lack of a better word, spilled on how, you know, maybe getting guys in foul trouble isn't as important as you would think, but 
at the same time, you know, you get to a Sweet 16 game and they're playing, uh, you know, Iowa or whatever, and Iowa has Luca Garza. Well, if, if David McCormick can get a couple fouls on him and maybe get him on the bench early or, you know, foul him out or something like that, I mean, that would be a huge help. And uh, it would be a huge help, obviously, just to do that to, to any team in general, uh, you know, get into the bonus for this team. Uh, or they can go to the free throw line and score versus having to try to, you know, create offense. I mean, that would be a huge help. So it's kind of a, uh, a double-edged sword there. So hopefully he can, can do that a little bit. I think that would be another way that they could uh, improve the offense a little bit. Well, and like you're saying, like, he is a phenomenal free throw shooter, like, especially by this Kansas standard or, you know, compare, <laughs> compared to what we've seen from big men in the past. Like, you know, Doak, that was the biggest way. Like, he, he's, his three for free throw shooting was absolutely horrible. McCormick is really, really good at it. Um, and, and I think that's the biggest problem. He doesn't go to the line. Like he, he has the second most free throw attempts on the team um, at 50 on the season behind Jalen Wilson with 67. Uh, and, and I think the big difference there is that Jalen Wilson is constantly attacking the basket when he has the ball, whereas McCormick is doing that little, you know, fade away jump shot from the, from the low post. If he goes into guys, he's going to get to the line a whole lot more, going to cause foul trouble for the opponents going to get himself to the line where he can potentially get more baskets and like you know fading away it really reduces your you know your percentage that you're going to make because I mean all kinds of reasons but there you know it's it's been shown pretty consistently that one of the worst shots that you can take is that fadeaway jumper um just because you know you're not you're not going to the rim you're you know changing the angle you're making unless you unless you take a ton of those and are essentially automatic with those it is very rare to be able to actually make those more reliably than you can, you know, score at the free throw line, especially shooting the way that he does from the free throw line. If you go into guys and get that contact and either make it and get the N one or miss it and then get two free shots. And so, you know, that, that I, I'm honestly surprised that it has not either Bill self has not been preaching that with him like nonstop or the lesson just for some reason hasn't taken because he still does that fadeaway jumper from like you know five feet away, and it's it, it drives me absolutely insane whenever I watch it. So hopefully he he figures it out at this point because they they you know that's probably the one thing that he can do and do it fairly easily that would dramatically improve his offense. I think moving forward. All right, um, so we're gonna go ahead and move over to the Tennessee game, but before we do that, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today. And we're back. All right. So obviously the most embarrassing, I think, game of this entire stretch was the loss in the Big 12 SEC Challenge to Tennessee, losing 80-61. to 61. We've kind of talked a little bit about this. Um, you know, Tennessee was absolutely on fire from three. They shot 61% going eight from 13 or eight of 13. Uh, they shot 50% from two going 20 of 40. Um, like you talked about, you know, they turned the ball over 13 times on almost 20% of their possessions and yet still scored 80. So, I mean, the thing that jumps out to me from that immediately is that they were extremely efficient on offense. And, you know, I was watching that game. Um, and like the thing I couldn't get out of my head really early was, this reminds me a lot of that Villanova Final Four game where they just couldn't miss anything, and there was absolutely nothing Kansas could do to stay in that game. 
did you get that same kind of vibe or, or was there something else going on there that I'm missing? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think a lot of the shots were, were, you know, frankly kind of bad shots. I and mean, there was a lot of like mid-range jumpers, that sort of thing that went in shots that I think Kansas would be relatively comfortable with Tennessee taking. I mean, guys who, um, you know, maybe not are bad shooters, but certainly not great shooters, uh, you know, making threes and stuff like that. Uh, I've kind of mentioned this a couple of times that that, that shot quality uh, website slash Twitter account tweeted out that I think Kansas would have won that game like 70% of the time based on the, the quality of shots they got. So there's certainly, I mean, there's certainly some luck involved here between that game and, you know, the Texas game that was 60-40, that sort of thing. Um, probably a comeuppance from the, the Creighton game that Kansas won and, and probably shouldn't have. So I guess it, it all evens out at the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, – the hot shooting performance by Tennessee certainly made it look worse uh, than it really was. And I think, you know, based on the way that they played, Kansas had every uh, opportunity to, to win that game, which sounds weird to say, given the, the final score, but um, I don't think it was, it was that bad. I do, you know, one thing that, that has kind of um, disappointed me and, and, you know, more than anything uh, is kind of the response when some of these things happened. I mean, it happened in the Texas game where you had a couple of guys, uh, who aren't very good three-point shooters make some threes uh, at the start of that second half, and it just seemed like Kansas kind of gave up after that. And I think kind of a, a similar thing happened here. I mean, Tennessee got up by, you know, 10, 12 points early based off some, uh, you know, some kind of uh, bad shots that went in. And, and frankly, for, you know, Kansas, some really wide-open threes that didn't go in. And I think they just got discouraged and kind of stopped playing. And that, to me, more than anything, is the, you know, the disappointing part. Um, early in the season, you know, they, they have that Texas Tech game where they don't play very well, but got out a win, or that Kentucky game where they don't play very well and, and got out a win, or, you know, I mean, the Creighton game where it was back and forth, and they, they make a little bit of a, a late run and, and, you know, come back and win the game, that sort of thing. Um, and heck, even the, you know, the early Gonzaga game where they, you know, make a run late and come all the way back, and, and I think tie it with, you know, five or six minutes left. So that that effort kind of disappeared um, in, in that Texas game and, and in that Tennessee game. And, uh, you know, they're not good enough to, to do that. They don't have the talent to do that. They need to, you know, play, you know, ball to the wall every second of every game. If they're going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, which, you know, frankly is, is, you know, what the whole point is anyway. So uh, that to me was, was more the, uh, the disappointing thing than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed pretty quick um, that they, you know, realized that they were essentially out of it and didn't fight nearly as much as I thought that they were going to. Um, you know, obviously I was disappointed with that, but it also kind of seemed like there was a couple times where they started to make a little bit of a spurt, you know, scoring five straight um, or getting three buckets, you know, getting like five or six straight, essentially. Um and, like, immediately when you thought that the momentum was starting to turn their way, Tennessee would then go on a bigger run. And, and so, like, it just seemed like no matter what Kansas did to start to get momentum on their side, that Tennessee immediately answered with making ridiculous shots or making shots that you have absolutely no idea why they even took them. I mean, so it's just – it's one of those things, like, I can hardly blame them because it seemed like everything that could go wrong just was going wrong for them. And no matter what they were doing, that it was just getting worse. Um, and so, like – it's difficult, I think, to stay motivated in that point when you realize pretty quickly that you're just not going to have it that day. Um, 
you know, we kind of saw that with that game against Villanova in the Final Four. We saw that early in that Tennessee game. You saw it with the, with the second half of that Texas game, too. That's the one thing that I will say about this team is that, yeah, when, when they realize that the odds are going to be extremely thin, they don't necessarily have that fight that you have seen from Bill Self teams. And, and I think a lot of that is just that they're, you know, they're dealing with so many different things, so many different guys that are, you know, kind of struggling and not really kind of, I don't know. It's weird. I think this is kind of the situation where Kansas has not really been in this type of situation very often. And I don't know if this is COVID related where like, they're just having problems, you know, Bill Self has talked several times about how the feeling around the team is just completely different because these guys are isolated from everybody on campus, from their, you know, from their, from their families, from like, they just kind of wallow in like we, we, when things start to go bad, they have to wallow in it because they can't really get out and go visit with people or do that sort of stuff because of all the COVID protocols. Um, which, yeah, kind of really sucks for them and, and is not something we're used to seeing. And hopefully, you know, it's not something that we have any other teams that have to kind of deal with this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's also one of those things, if you have those designs of going, you know, far in March, you have to be able to take a big hit from guys and shrug it off and be able to make big comebacks. They did that against Oklahoma State. You know, they got down really, really far. And all of a sudden had a huge spurt and came all the way back and weren't able to finish that one off. But at least there, you know, like I was, I was encouraged with that loss there because yeah, they got down real big, you know, Kate, Kate Cunningham, like Oklahoma state had really, really big performances in that, in that game. And it was gonna, you know, it was just kind of one of those things, man, they fought all the way back and just didn't have enough at the very end. Um, you know, it was at least understandable you know, you at least could take some positives out of that. But like when you just get completely stomped by a team like Tennessee, even if it's random things that you really can't expect to keep going or to keep happening, um, it's just, it is disheartening to kind of see them just give up at that point. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, my counter to that would be Oklahoma State isn't very good. And I guess, you know, Tennessee, I mean, I, I think after watching them play, I don't know that. I mean, whatever. Ken Palm knows more than my eye test ever could obviously, but I, I don't get the sense that they're like a top 15 ish team in the country either. But um, you know, they, they certainly are better than Oklahoma state, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. They did come back uh, in that Oklahoma state game and, and showed a lot of toughness after getting down early. And um, I guess you just hope they don't get down early uh, in the future. I mean, that, that seems to be the, um, that seems to be the big thing. I mean, I mean, they got down early. Well, I know, right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, that's probably the big thing. I mean, they, uh, um, you know, if they're in a game uh, and, and, yeah, if they're in a game and fully engaged, you know, they, they certainly play better. It's like, you know, they, they need to avoid uh, early adversity. And you, you don't know how much, you know, does, does not having a, you know, much of a preseason ramp up have to do with that. Does, you know, not getting to, to really play their usual uh, non-conference schedule or they're going to face more adversity because they're playing a lot of good teams, that sort of thing. Does that have a lot to do with it? I mean, I, I, I guess I don't know, but uh, hopefully something they can get figured out. And I guess I, you know, I still trust Bill Self to, to do it for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like they didn't get down really big, at least not that I remember against Oklahoma. They were able to stay competitive in that one for the vast majority of that game. Like they've definitely shown the ability to fight. They just need to stop taking a sucker punch and then giving up at that point. And it's really only the really good teams that they've had, you know, trouble with in that kind of arena, Tennessee, you know, that was a, that was a game. I I, honestly, I think that Tennessee is a top, you know, 15 top 20 team. 
um, kind of like the way that Oklahoma is. But, you know, the, the other thing that kind of jumps out to me is that all of these games are on the road. As much as you don't think that COVID was, you know, or was making it so that home field advantage wasn't as big of a deal, um, that's completely normalized. Like early in the Big 12 conference, the road teams were winning at a really high clip. And since then, it swung back entirely the, the other direction. The home team is very much so getting some sort of advantage from being at home. And again, I don't know what all goes into that because, you know, there's really not that big crowds anymore. Um, it, it seemed like for a little while there were there were actual crowds. But, like, now that doesn't really seem to be that big of a deal. Like, there's not nearly as many big crowds as there had been. So, you know, it's it just for whatever reason, home field advantages start now starting to, to matter again, um, which is going to be interesting in the games that, that Kansas has coming up, um, some of these at least. So, so we'll see how that kind of works out. But, all right, um, any thoughts on the Kansas State game, or was that just a good old-fashioned whooping that was nice to see, but we can't really take anything from it? Yeah, well, talk, you know, talk about the, you know, ultimate team that you want to play in terms of a, a get-right game. I mean, they, whew, they're bad. They don't, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm looking it, forward you know. to, you know, we got, we got two games coming up that we're getting ready to talk about here real quick in West Virginia, Oklahoma State. And then we've got a nice stretch of three games against Iowa State and Kansas State combined, which are going to be absolutely yeah. fantastic for the Jayhawks to get right, really get some things going on. Um, ideally, you know, Bryce Thompson will be back so we can ease in with a with an opponent that will just allow him to kind of do whatever the heck he wants. So, but we'll see how all that yeah, works out. But yeah, well, I, I guess just just quickly before we talk about those, I mean, hopefully that you know helps them kind of get into a groove. I mean, I saw you know the first half was a little bit listless, but second half they started playing with a little bit more energy, forcing some more turnovers, that sort of thing. And then you know, Chris Tehan comes in and, and makes that three and they acted like it was, you know, to send them to the final four and stuff like that. And, and we're having fun and stuff like that. And I think that's a, a big thing too. I mean, these are obviously, you know, I think we discount a little bit. Um, I know I certainly do uh, that. These are, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids. And uh, it certainly can't be too much fun uh, playing this season with, you know, everything that's going on with COVID and empty stadiums and having to, you know, yeah. watch what you do and where you go and stuff like that all the time. And uh, it's probably not very much fun to be, to be doing this and then to be, you know, the worst Kansas team, um, you know, probably asterisk required given the COVID, but, you know, the worst Kansas team that, you know, we've seen since Bill Self started. Uh, so maybe, you know, that will uh, jumpstart them a little bit and, and start, you know, getting them to have a little bit of, a little bit more fun. Cause I, I have to imagine you're going to play better when you're having fun doing it. Yeah, definitely. All right. So the two games coming up, West Virginia uh, on the road, you know, in Morgantown coming up on Saturday and then big Monday, Oklahoma state coming to town for that revenge game. Um, what jumps out to you from these two games? We're just going to go ahead and talk about them together because one, we're running a little bit low on time. And, and two, I, you know, I don't know that I de- want to dive too deep into the previews for these ones. Um, we'll, we'll definitely talk about these next week when you come back probably around the yeah. same time in the week, but what jumps out to you from these two games? What, what worries you about the two matchups coming up and how well, do you expect you know, them to actually fare? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I think they actually have a chance to, to win both these, even though they're on the road, to be honest with you. I mean, West Virginia, I think pretty good matchup for them when, you know, you look at the last uh, matchup with uh, West Virginia allows a, a ton uh, of three point attempts, you know, most in the big 12, uh, and, you know, you remember that first game, I mean, Kansas certainly took advantage and, and shot a real high percentage. Of course, they also, uh, you know, shoot not a ton of them, but shoot them very well, uh, second best in the Big 12. And, and that's going to be something that I'm sure people are going to be complaining about. But uh, if they can withstand a, a three-point onslaught, I think they have a, a pretty good chance to win because of, 
you know, David Mohormick has a, a traditional big man to go against. I mean, that certainly helped in the in the first matchup, certainly helped in the TCU matchups when he's got that big man to go against. And then, you know, I, I still have uh, a lot of questions about their backcourt. I think Kansas, even with, you know, Bryce Thompson, who uh, hasn't gotten it done offensively, but defensively has been, you know, certainly good for a freshman. Even with him uh, off the floor, you know, I like Kansas's backcourt a little bit more. So, uh, certainly think they have a, a, a chance uh, to beat them. And then, yeah, Oklahoma State, I mean, uh, at home, which is nice. Uh, probably, frankly, you know, should have won that game uh, on the road. You know, Bill Self uh, issues against Oklahoma State notwithstanding, but they, they had a chance to usually uh, in those one, two possession games late. You'd like Bill Self uh, against anyone in the country. Um, yeah, if, if, you know, they play like they did, um, certainly in that second half. But I think even, you know, the same type of uh, game that they played uh, against Oklahoma State down in Stillwater, um, I, I think they'll win. I mean, I, I don't think that Oklahoma State's going to shoot, you know, 43% uh, from three again, which is, you know, 10% more than their season average. They shot more threes in that game than, than they usually shoot. They don't shoot a ton of threes. So I think they're a good matchup as well. Um, so I think Kansas really has a chance here, um, even – not playing well um, to to go two and zero and kind of you know hopefully anyway follows that up with three wins against you know teams they should beat and you know if they have a, a five game winning streak here and and all of a sudden are I mean we're getting way ahead of ourselves but all of a sudden are eleven and four in Big Twelve play I mean you you know you're starting to look at a, a lot different of a, a conversation uh, going into the last you know month of the season yeah I, I think that's the other thing kind of I mean. I, I do agree with you that I think they have a really good shot in this West Virginia game because the other, the, you know, the, I think the thing that most people don't even really realize is that West Virginia actually shot fairly well from three in that game and still lost by, uh, you know, by 14 points. Um, they, they did not shoot well at all from inside the arc. Kansas did a really good job at kind of shutting them down. Um, you know, and obviously Kansas was really hot from outside. Um, but, you know, Kansas performed better than them shooting from the inside as well. Uh, they just played really, really well overall in that particular game. And, and I mean, I think that they, they match up really well, kind of what you were saying, with West Virginia in that. So, like, not to mention that West Virginia almost lost on the road to Iowa State <laughs> uh, earlier in the week, the same night that Kansas was playing Kansas State. Um, they looked really rough and had, had to get really fortunate at the end of that game to, to be able to actually pull that out. Um, so, like, I think that I think that Kansas is catching West Virginia at the right time to be able to go ahead and have a big game there. And then with Oklahoma State, kind of what you were talking about, like they are, they, they really should have won that game. Um, I thought that Oklahoma State was extremely lucky, kind of like you were saying, uh, in terms of the way that they were shooting in that particular game. So, you know, it's one of those I fully expect them to, you know, big Monday at home, they're going to be ramped up for that game. And I just, I don't think that, I just don't think that uh, that Oklahoma State's going to be able to pull that off again, especially on the road. Um, you know, they're they're actually struggling with TCU as we speak. Um, so, like, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what they're going to look like in that particular game? It's going to be a short turnaround, all that fun stuff. So, um, but kind of to your point, you know, if they go on a nice big winning streak here, like we're looking at this Kansas team right now, and 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 they're six and four, and it's weird for them to have four, you know, losses at this point in Big Twelve conference play, but they haven't played. Iowa State at all they haven't played can or they just played Kansas State for the first time so like this is one of those they had an extremely front-loaded schedule and while they have a a really weird stretch at the end uh you know in terms of home against Texas Tech on the road at Texas and then home against Baylor 
you know, Texas is a team that's struggling uh, here and there. So like they have a chance in that one, but like, you know, they, they finish out the, the season with a very tough slate of three games. Um, but a lot of the easy games that they were expecting to have that you're normally like sprinkled, you know, throughout the entire conference schedule are concentrated right towards the end of that schedule. So I think that it's going to get better for them. We're going to feel a whole lot better about this team. And yes, they're, they're definitely not contending for the top or even probably, you know, the second or third spot in the big 12 conference this year, but this is a really good conference top to bottom. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's really not that surprising and nothing to be too worried about the fact that they are not going to be in that, you know, top three or so. So, all right, we have just enough time for you to go ahead and give us your random sports minute for the day. So what do you got for us? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to be very brief here. I guess it's a random uh, lack of sports minutes. Uh, the uh, NWHL, which is the National Women's Hockey League, just had to cancel their season. Uh, they were in a, a, I guess, not much of a bubble, but a pseudo bubble playing all their games in, in Lake Placid and just had to shut it down for uh, COVID concerns. I, I don't think there was a player that tested positive. I think it was like close contacts with other people sort of thing. But, um, you know, kind of kind of disappointing. They were streaming all their games on, uh, I think, YouTube as well, but Twitch. Uh, and they were, you know, they were fun to watch. I mean, more hockey is, is good as far as I'm concerned. So uh, kind of disappointing that that got canceled. Hopefully they are able to, you know, pick it up and keep the momentum that they had going uh, next year. Um, but yeah, so I guess more of a, like I said, lack uh, of random sports minute this week. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely disappointing to have any sports that were canceled because of COVID. I mean, it's understandable, obviously, because of the pandemic that we're in. Um, but another league that's getting ready to start up um, or I'm sorry, is, is back in the KC market now is the, the National Women's Soccer League. Um, you know, they actually have a, a team that just started back up here in Kansas City. They're getting ready to get started here as well. So um, more women's sports is always a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm never going to, to say that we should be having those. And I like to see them get that kind of exposure that they need. So um, it'll definitely be, be nice when they're able to get up and running again. And, and kind of like you said, you know, more, we need more hockey in general and women's hockey, especially, um, you know, and anything we can get there is, is obviously good. So hopefully they can get back up and running um, sooner rather than later and that this doesn't, you know, cause any problems for them long-term. So, um, all right, Fetch, any other final thoughts that you want to leave us with before we get out of here for the week? Well, I guess I, I will say, I just, I just posted this on Twitter. I'm, I might as well make it here. Um, although I, I kind of, uh, uh semi alluded to it just now, but I'll, I'll go full on and, and make the, the bold prediction that they're going to win, uh, you know, including their last game against K-State. They're going to going to win their six, uh, go on a six game winning streak. And, and I guess, I mean, I don't think they're going to do it, but I don't think that uh, the, the TCU or the uh, Texas Tech game, Texas, and even Baylor, given how they played uh, in that second half of that Baylor game, I don't think that, uh, you know, winning those games should be off the table as well. They're obviously not going to win all three, but I, you know, winning any one of those, I, I don't think should uh, surprise the team. So despite the record, um, I think better times are, are, are coming uh, so long as they, you know, keep the, the fun, uh, as dumb as that sounds, uh, and keep yeah. up the effort. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they went on an eight-game winning streak and then lost the, the finale against Baylor. Uh, to allow them to set themselves up for a really, really good mid-seat here. So. 
And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can leave us a rating and a review as well, five stars and nice comments would be absolutely great. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people wants to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on twitter at rockchalkpod you can also get your voice on the show do that by going to anchor.fm slash rock dash chalk dash podcast slash message leave us a voicemail i promise we'll get it on the show for you but that's gonna do it for us tonight thanks again for listening guys and we will catch you next time on the rock chalk podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.